Hello. As a warning, this is the first time we've actually recorded together in person. You might hear a slight echo. We apologize for this echo. It sounds like you guys were recording off an iPhone in a Denny's bathroom. Enjoy the show. Oh, man. Out of breath. Yo, Blagna. Hey, Weeb, what's up, man? Yo, great work out there, man. Uh, honestly, I gotta say, this is gonna be one for the record books. They're gonna be talking about Sunday night sensuality for years to come. It was it was just great work. Yeah, man. This angle is awesome. Had a great time with you out there like the old times. I really think the brass is gonna like this stuff. And man, that belt looks great on you. You definitely earned it, man. Yeah, this is the start of something big for sure. But uh, Listen, man, I don't want to make this weird. It's just that now this is all over. There is something I wanted to talk to you about. Um, that guy that you brought on, uh, what's his name? Uh, Stinger. Oh, yeah. Karate Stinger. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I consider you a friend, right? Even outside the business. Yeah, of course. I mean, we started together. We came up together. We were cutting our teeth. Oh, yeah. On the same types of matches. And... You know, like, as part of that friendship, I tell you some things in confidence. And I I just, I worry, right? Like, are you, like, talking about me with the other wrestlers? Because, you know, like, some of the promos you guys did, uh, don't get me wrong, they were great. They were really good. I mean, the Miku-chan stuff got a lot of heat. She has a lot of fans in our audience. So I think that was a good angle. But, you know, like... <sighs> I, I tell you this stuff in confidence and it comes out in the promos and it's like, that's not really me. I mean, like my angle is that, you know, like I'm, I'm this weeaboo guy, but I'm not really into it like that. Hang on a and second. You know that. Do you have a, do you have a problem with the way that we book our angles? I mean, listen, man, this is just, this is the, this is the modern art form. This is how pro wrestling is now, you know, the reality era, right? You remember that? This is just the yeah. way that it goes now. I mean, what's your deal? What's up? No, nah, no, nah, I get it, man. I get it. Uh, I, I get this. This is the business. Is how it is. Just, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I thought we had an understanding, but I'm picking up what you're putting down. I All know right. where we are. Listen, man. If you need me, I'm gonna be in the back in the locker room trying to fit a dip in my butt in the shower, thinking about shaving my legs. You know where to find me. If you got a fucking problem and want to settle this like real men, you know where to find me. I'll see you later. <sighs> Man. I thought we were friends. Yo, Istanbul and Constantinople, my favorite tag team on the roster. I have a funny story you guys might be interested in. Did I ever tell you? Bologna Hard Times. Yes, the Bologna Hard Times once participated in a donkey show in Tijuana. I know the shock on your faces is palpable. He was the donkey. Incredible. Uh, I'll tell you about it later. Let's uh, let's go get some dinner.
Welcome back to the first in-person king of the shill. Welcome back to the first in-person king of the shill. Well, technically, for reasons we can't explain, it started with in-person. But yeah, this is, uh, God, this is uh, like nearly a year almost it, we've been doing this. It feels, I don't want, weird's not the right word. Yeah. But it feels comfortable. Yes. I think that, I think that comfortable is the right word, especially because... I, I can't tell you how excited I am to be finally doing this in person yeah. based off the fact that it's the wrestling arc, which is like, like I said before, like if right when we started this, if I like immediately, I was like wrestling. Right. Mm -hmm. So it just feels like it feels like it's meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's the type of thing, too, that like it feels like coming home after like the year and a half and more that we're dealing with COVID, right? Yeah. Like I'm sure just like you can't have people over for like really anything. At least we're starting to be able to now kind of right. Like how many wrestling pay-per-views have you really had some people over with over the last year? Right. Yeah, so like not more than two, all these areas converging. It's, it's exciting to, first of all, it's exciting to talk to you about something and have you only be a foot away from me yeah. as opposed to over the internet. And we have to be conscious of all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I'm excited. I'm pumped. Yeah. Um, so uh, welcome back to King of the Shill. This is the first time that we've ever recorded in, well, recorded for King of the Shill in person yeah. and put uh, uh, an in-person recording out into the public sector because like Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, we don't want what we recorded before to get into the hands of the public, right? Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Right. Because or I Hulk Hogan. Yeah. We, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like Hulk Hogan, in fact. Um, but welcome back to King of the Shill. If this is your first time joining us, this is a conversational podcast where Scott and I try to shill each other on things that the other person doesn't like or maybe doesn't have a whole lot of exposure to. And you are at the final chapter before the epilogue of the wrestling arc okay. where we are going to sit down in just a couple hours here and watch AEW all out. Isn't that right? Scott? Yes, that's it, right. And this is your first wrestling pay-per-view from start to finish, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what brought us here specifically? Why did you actually agree to come watch this with me after I subjected you to <laughs> hours upon hours of my favorite professional wrestling? Well, it's a, it's a multi-layered question. First of all, we are friends. So yeah. <laughs> uh, when your friend asks you if you want to do something and you like that person, typically you say, sure. Yeah. Right. Sure. Right. But we watched hours of wrestling yes. at this point right yes and hours. over the course of this arc you have taken me from total lay person to working beginner yeah <laughs> right yeah uh i've seen some of the greatest matches ever put on i've learned some of the critical storylines of multiple eras and we're finally at a point where i can say that I was unironically interested in the outcome of a, of a wrestling match. <laughs> yeah, right. Which, like, <laughs> I planned to have you over for All Out so that we could watch the whole card anyway as part of this. So yeah. it's an extra delight for me that it's actually working out in that favor because 
I thought for sure, I was like, this is going to go one of two ways. And obviously it can go one of two ways. Did it chill or did it not? But I mean, you know, this isn't going to be like, you know, wrestling. There's no like, "Eh, it's all right. Right. Mm -hmm. You either like it because you like wrestling or you just don't pay any attention to it really at all. Right. right? And I'm happy to say that uh, I mentioned this before, but I am happy to say that I thought for sure that we'd be convening here today to talk about especially all out on uh, the basis of the hangman Adam Page Kenny Omega storyline coming to fruition because I thought for fucking sure Mm -hmm. that this was going to end at this pay-per-view tonight but life has other plans. And we actually wound up getting together for CM Punk's first match back <laughs> instead. That's kind of it's it's not only poetic. It's really interesting for me too to have this idea of like, um, I I have never experienced a type of watch party where you have that kind of insider knowledge, right? Like you have expectations of anything. Have you ever had a Game of Thrones watch party? Yes. That's one of the few television shows I've ever had a watch party for where people came to my house and we watched it. This is back in like season three. You have expectations, right? Right. But you don't have the wrestling thing of let's get together and watch all out because they're going to finish the storyline of Omega Page. Right. Right. That's that's such an interesting facet of it. And for it to turn into like obviously massive coincidence, uh, but for it to turn into this our own arc. Right. Where our own expectations (laughs) got built up into it. It it brings a whole new level of excitement to it. Yeah. So. I think it's fair to say that so far your favorite piece of wrestling that we've watched thus far has been Omega Okada, best two out of yes. three, no time limit at Dominion 6 9 2018 at Osaka Joe Hall, which is such a satisfying name of an arena yeah. to say. Um, and, you know, I, to be clear, don't think that there's going to be anything like that on this match yeah. tonight, bar this card tonight, but I do think that we're going to see uh, a lot of more than what we watched on the AEW part one episode, right? Like we're going to see what that kind of stuff, right? What's good about AEW. But so Bryce Reimsburg is a referee for AEW and he tweeted today. He was like, I understand that the expectations for this show are through the fucking roof, but I, I swear to God, it's going to over deliver. Oh, okay. So that's, you, you would imagine too, you would have to tell me about this guy, but like, it wouldn't be considered on brand in the Twitter era for someone to type that out. Right. Well, it's, it's, you know, you, you're putting a lot, you're yeah. putting a lot on the show. Yeah. Right. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, everybody knows that CM Punk is coming back. So like what could over deliver beyond probably the most popular indie wrestler of all time. Yeah. Um, coming back after a seven ish year hiatus. Wow. That long. Too. Yeah. Well, so he left in 2014. Oh my God. I was at his last match, dude, before tonight I was, he was his last match in the WWE was the 2014 Royal rumble. And then the very next day he was like, I'm fucking out of here. Yeah. So like it's been since January, the end of January, 2014, since he's wrestled a single match. And like, there was one instance where I'm pretty sure he came into uh, some some local indie show in Chicago. I think I don't know. Don't quote me on this, yeah. but he came in under a mask under under a mask and gave somebody the GTS and then never revealed himself. And obviously, yeah. it's like if there's somebody doing the GTS in a in a ring, it's either CM Punk or the originator of yeah. the move Kenta. So okay. like, 
it was it was probably yeah. CM Punk. But I mean, he's only done UFC since then and so started th- getting into like the commentary game. This is like Dave Chappelle coming back to comedy. Like, oh yeah, that's a great comparison. Okay, yeah, yeah okay. absolutely, right? Like it's just like this. It's it's a monumental occasion, right? right. Where in the wrestling sphere. It's hard to get bigger than this. And the fact that they're saying it's going to get bigger is kind of foreboding in a way. Right. It's either foreboding this. You're either going to watch me have the most surreal wrestling experience of my life tonight, or it's going to be the biggest letdown I've ever experienced. (laughs) (laughs) So why don't we go over some of the some of the the, the high spots of the card here? Okay. Um, so obviously CM Punk is coming back and he's going to fight Darby Allen, which I've said to you before is this guy that kind of is a cross between Jeff Hardy and Sting. Yeah. He comes out on a skateboard. He's got um, this really cool, like sort of goth punk music um, by uh, an artist named Wicca oh, Springs did Eternal. Did we see a glimpse of him yes. the other day? Okay. Yes. So, okay. We did. I, yeah. I at least have a visual in my mind. Yeah. Now. With the shorts, with yeah. the short shorts. Right. Yeah. So. He's he is who is fighting CM Punk. Okay, and it's uh, mostly because like Punk has given a couple interviews before where he's been like, you know, if I could work with anybody in today's day and age, he's specifically named dropped Darby Allen several times. So, you know, uh, whenever it started to hit the rumor mill that Punk was coming back, Darby started to work some things, some teases into his promos, like you know. I don't have an opponent coming up yeah. for all out or whatever. And I'll take on anyone, even if you're the best in the world. Uh, right. Okay. So yeah. like um, it, it became this cool thing. And, you know, we'll, we'll take a look at it, at, at punks uh, promo when he comes back here before the show, as I'm sure they'll show it a million times before that match happens. But he, it's this great moment of like, everybody thought that this was happening and like yeah. everybody was kind of anticipating it. And like halfway through his promo coming back, he's like Darby Allen and the crowd just goes yeah. fucking crazy. So CM Punk is fighting Darby Allen. And what I think is going to be, I don't know if it's going to be like, it's going to be the highlight of the night for me, simply based on punk coming back. Yeah. Right. This is going to be a really interesting match because I think their two styles work well with each other. Darby mm-hmm. Allen being this like high flying risk taker of like, you know, you mentioned Okada is like, I'm going to throw myself at you like a cannonball. Yeah. Right. He's kind of the same way, okay. except instead of a six foot two, 240 pound muscular yeah. man, he's this like. No disrespect to Darby Allen, but compared to uh, Kazuchika Okada, he's a shrimp, right? Yeah. So like right. he's he's like a high flying cannonball, right? He's definitely closer to a luchador than he is like your bog standard wrestler, okay. right? So you having seen CM Punk wrestle John Cena, yeah. he's going up against basically the antithesis of John <laughs> right. Cena, right? yeah. So I'm I'm really curious what CM Punk's ring gear is going to be because. Mm-hmm. You know, you when he he was at his height of WWE popularity, he wore like the trunks and the knee knee pads and mm-hmm. the kick pads on the boots and the elbow pad and the taped wrists and everything. And he's always taped his wrist, but like back in the Indies, he wore like wrestling boots with gym shorts. Yeah, and it's just like yeah. for me, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you don't look like a wrestler, you yeah, know what I mean? You right. just kind of, you kind of still look like you came out of the backyard, which yeah. look to each their own, and that's fine, but. I am also curious if we're going to see some of his old school moves, uh, like the Pepsi twist and the Pepsi plunge. Does the WWE own stuff like that, too? We talked a few times about them, like trademarking, like gimmicks and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, do, do they do they do they let's own say like John, his image? Let's say John Cena and Triple H had like real life drama, like Triple H hate, hit Cena's mom 
like with a baseball bat. Right. Yeah. So Cena leaves. They can't trademark the name John Cena, but could they trademark like the five knuckle shuffle or whatever? Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, I mean, so if they he, wanted he to. has to come up with like new finishers in this hypothetical, like attitude adjustment or whatever. It, it depends. I mean, it depends on the the extent of it. Right. Yeah. The length of what they, to which they've gone to do that. I mean, I, I think it's I think it would be pretty like if John Cena were to leave the WWE, he would definitely not be allowed to call his fireman's carry finisher the attitude adjustment okay. to your point. Right. Okay. But like the GTS, like the go to sleep, that was never a thing in his ring gear especially wasn't a thing i expect him to come out looking like he used to back in wwe but it wouldn't surprise me to see him take on like mma shorts or something do you think he comes out do you think he leans into like his return and comes out in like cody cody rhodes-esque like nobility gear (laughs) oh man i'll tell you what it would be uh, if cm punk were to ever turn heel yeah that would be the next iteration of heel punk that I would want, right? Yeah. Like this ultra sort of anti-punk CM yeah. punk, right? Right. Like CM dude, or yeah. something, right? <laughs> CM guy, right? Right. Which is like, you know, he's had a couple. Yeah, he's had a bunch of heel heel runs yeah. in his career. My favorite iteration is we didn't even talk about this on the episode. Your C eminence. I had to break you too. Oh <laughs> man, dude. See, they see. Yeah, that yeah. that one's good. Um, but sorry, go ahead. So my favorite heel. My favorite heel iteration of punk was you know, we didn't talk about this on the punk episode, yeah. but this is some real fucking good shit. And this was stuff that uh, per his documentary and a lot of the interviews that he's given, he like this was something that he basically came up with and took to Vince and the, the rest of the writers and was like, I'm fucking doing this, whether right. you like it or not. Right. And it got started to get over. So he's a heel and he started this, you know, he's straight edge. So he started the straight edge society, which yeah. was like this heel faction. And he would. um induct people into the straight edge society by having them come to the ring and shaving their heads oh my god and he basically turned into like this messiah type character and he's excellent but the the the, it ended eventually with him feuding with Rey mysterio and um he got into a mask versus hair match and he lost and they shaved cm punk's head yeah and for a while he started wearing a luchador mask that said ses on it for straight edge society yeah that was my favorite heel iteration okay. of punk. So like it doesn't get better than that for me in terms of heel punk. So I is contrived as it might be and as tropey as it might be. I desperately want him to do exactly as you're saying and like come out and like this fanfarish wrestler. I'm now the Hulk Hogan yeah. of CM Punk style, right? right? Like you, you mentioned before that like punk is in his name and he's got this punk spirit, right? So I just think that's, yeah, that would be perfect, right? So beyond CM Punk and Darby Allen, um, obviously we have to talk about the main event, which is for the AEW World Heavyweight Championship, Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. So I mentioned Christian to you before, and you you don't have a whole lot of memory on who Christian no, is, right? You, yeah. So you like you said, he was Edge's tag team partner. Mm-hmm. So I would know him from specifically. I played. Two years of wrestling video games the in the 360 era. Right. And I would have known him from that game, those games, because I remember Edge. I remember all the evolutionary people. So right. I, I, I'm sure I know who he is. Face doesn't come to mind. Gimmick doesn't come to mind. Nothing about him comes to yeah, mind. Yeah. Um, you, you might recognize him when you see him, but yeah. he got his start with Edge as his tag team partner, like I said. Um, and they were in the brood at first with mm-hmm. Gangrel. And then um, once they broke out on their own, they became uh, just Edge and Christian, mm-hmm. and they shortened it to E and C. 
And um, ENC was some of some of my absolute favorite shit during the Attitude Era um, because they were like the trolley heels, right? The type of trolley heel that you like, right? They would all this do their their gimmick was they'd come out into the ring and Edge would grab the mic and he would be like, for the benefit of those with flash photography, a five minute pose. And they would sit there and go like this. Yeah. And then turn to the other side and like yeah. with these stupid looks on their faces and they would have a new iteration of it week in, week out. Or like sometimes they'd come down with those big styrofoam cowboy hats yeah. dressed up like yeah. other stuff. Right. So Take I've it. always loved Christian for that reason. You know, yeah, taking the piss. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so Edge and Christian finally split up. And when they split that up, they changed Christian's music to this. I mean, this is some of the WWE's best gimmicking. Right. Yeah. They gave him this like really queen opera rock esque music where it was like Christian Christian at last you're on your own. It was so fucking good. Right. Right. Because this whole thing of like I'm finally out of Edge's shadow. Right. So like he never really became like the main eventer in WWE, even though he um, like his his he's a great wrestler. Um. And what I always found really interesting is like they gave him runs with the world heavyweight championship, but not the WWE title, right? Like they gave him runs with like the second most important title, but never with the WWE championship. That was always Edge's thing, right? Right. Even though Edge had both titles too. Anyway, so like Christian like proved his, he proved himself like in TNA, went and did a stint in TNA and was their world heavyweight champion for a while. And then he retires, right? He retires a few years ago and he just came back recently too as an AEW talent. Right. And um, it's been the best, the best era of Christian's career I've ever seen. This yeah. is the most I have enjoyed Christian period. He's his gimmick is just very simple because he's kind of basing it off of his previous notoriety, right? Mm-hmm. Like everybody knows who Christian is. So he goes by Christian cage now, which is what yeah. he went by in TNA. And his gimmick is basically like, I'm just going to I'm just going to outwork you because oh, okay. I'm I'm the veteran. Right. Yeah. I'm the wily veteran. I know my shit. Right. I've been around this business for longer than you've been, you know, watching WWE as a child. Right. You watched me on your television, Kenny Omega. Yeah, right? right. So like he's just kind of like this wily veteran. And what I think is really interesting about how they've built this up is like at first you're like, all right we kind of know that this was supposed to be like the hangman angle right like that's not happening at this point so they've got christian in this match now he won this number one contenders tournament and it's kind of like how are you really gonna sell this to be believable that kenny could possibly lose right Mm -hmm. and so like i was saying kenny is the belt collector now so he has had the aew championship the triple a championship in mexico and the impact championship right a couple weeks ago on dynamite they had like christian fight kenny for the impact championship like christian went and got the ceo of aew to grant the match for that championship right and he beat him for it so oh, okay. he took one of Kenny's belts away. So now it's like, oh, okay, okay like, right. Well, it's got it, one over on him. Well, you got to build that matchup thing too. It's like, um, the, I'll just go to my historical thing with fighting games as I always do, right? Like, I watch a lot of fighting games, and it gets built up in your mind when you follow that stuff. When you become like an expert or whatever, of okay, this person is not as good as this person, but then they'll meet in tournament. And they'll blow them up. 
Leffen is not as good. It, it, so Dragon Ball Fighter Z comes out. Leffen is not as good as Goichi, the god of Dragon Ball Fighter Z. Yeah. But Leffen all perfects his character and almost wins the set at Evo, right? It's yeah. like you have to have that moment to be like, oh, okay, this guy's good. Yeah. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Even even whatever your 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 pre pre like you were saying, like whatever your your predisposition was on them, right? Yeah. Like just that's even if it's even if it's a, a millimeter wide, just right. that single shred of doubt, right? Sometimes enough to generate interest in the match. Cause now I'm kind of like I don't expect Kenny to lose, but there's still that thing in the back of my head, even as like a lifelong wrestling fan of like, yeah, but they let him take the impact championship. Yeah. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. Cause you, it, it's the thing with wrestling. Like you, you have those expectations and you're like, well, it's fake. It's just like the thing with the CM Punk thing. Like I never, I, I really wanted CM Punk to win, but like you said, you have those built up, built in notions of, well, he probably didn't resign and Vince McMahon is not going to let him walk out with the title. Right. Yeah. You never know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe Christian wins. And then they have this storyline where Paige wins all the titles back and is like, what up, man? Come yeah. take them from me. Like they could be doing something like that. Exactly. And you don't know, which right. is what keeps you in. Or does Hangman run in on exactly. Kenny and cost him the match and thus the title? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they that, that's the thing is like, you know, we're not dealing with WWE here, my man. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We're not dealing with these people that are like, you must keep it on Cena at all costs. Right. LOL. Cena wins. Right. And I'm not saying that that's what how they are all the time. But AEW isn't like that. Right. Yeah. They've done things that have been shocking before. Right. Like, for example, right before, um, unfortunately, Brody Lee recently passed away last year at a very young age. He was only in his 40s. Um, but he was one of their bigger talents that they kind of poached from WWE a little bit. He had been released and then they got him. Right. And. Cody had been doing this like in this angle about like, oh, I, I want to win the TNT championship and it's so important to me and this and that and so on and so forth. And he finally wins it after weeks of build up to him getting it. And Brody Lee comes in on an open challenge and just fucking demolishes him for it on weekly television. And you're just right. like, what? Right. Because yeah. like they've been building this up for weeks. Yeah. Like Cody's been doing this open challenge thing and like. He's talking about like, oh, I'm the TNT champion and it's Cody Rhodes. You expect him to have like a decently lengthy run with that championship. So like, you know, to that end, it's like, well, it's it's, yeah, it's long term game. That's that's what makes AEW so interesting from everything you've told me is that it's not just predictability. You can't predict the product by the marketing. Yeah, exactly. Like, okay, well, there's more Cena toys on the shelf than anything else, so I guess who's winning the title this year? Yeah, right. exactly. And like, I think in a in a in a previous era of AEW, I would have been like, eh, because it, even still, because it's like, well, Kenny is the Kenny oh, is sure. their top yeah, guy, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. But now you're talking about like, well, Kenny is still the top guy, right? And he's still like the best wrestler that they yeah. have on the card, or at least you know on the roster, right? But now they have CM Punk, right? Yeah. There are a lot of rumors about who's going to be debuting tonight, like people coming in tonight that are yeah. like new signings to AEW that are apparently going to like be huge. So like whoever that could be, if it's somebody like you're not just dealing with, well, Kenny is the biggest name in the wrestling business. Like Kenny is a big name, but he's yeah. not the only one. Well, I remember a while ago you telling me too that it was so confusing because kenny was on aew and he was losing yeah right like right. he had a long string of lo- like do you is was there ever a period like that in john cena's time 
I mean, maybe when he was up and coming, but certainly not when he was identified as the top guy. So, like, you you can still have your top guys be top guys. Like, uh, a villain that can't win is a clown, right? Or whatever. Like, you you, they have to win to be in any way popular. But they still are able to take a step back for the longevity of the product and say, well if Kenny wins all the time, we're just going to have the same problem as WWE or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? And the only time they've done it with Cena was like well and truly after it, it would have mattered. Right? right. Like this was, you know, well into the LOL Cena wins era and he loses to the rock and he goes on a, like, he's like, well, I remember this angle that they had where it was like Cena's 2012 was terrible. Right. He lost all kinds of matches and he needs to get redemption. Right. Because they threw him like right from a program at the rock straight into a program with the returning Brock Lesnar. Right. So like it was like he was just eating shit over and over again. Right. But still, it was one of those things where like it was only interesting on the basis of the match to match storyline because it was like. Well, surely they're going to have Cena win here. And when they have Brock Lesnar go in and squash him, it's shocking because it's like, oh, well, it's Cena. But then he immediately goes on Raw and starts beating the shit out of everyone but Brock Lesnar again. And it's like, well, like, you know, what what the fuck, you know? Right. Here you have Kenny, like, losing to guys that he just should not lose to, right? Like, you can believably book John Cena to lose to Brock Lesnar. It's Brock fucking Lesnar, Right. Right. But like Kenny's losing to, you know, like some mid carters and some lower lower upper card card guys. Right. Like guys that he should realistically be beating on his path to becoming the number one contender for the AEW championship. And it was within Hangman that he found his winning ways with that tag team title that those that that run there. And we saw a glimpse of how that would end up going. Right. And so that's kind of what I mean is like it's not just Kenny was on a, a losing streak. It was. He was losing, interestingly, to uh, create a, a another tie into this storyline of like he's going to become successful eventually through this partnership with Hangman right. and it's going to go to his head. Yeah. Right. With Cena, it was just, well, Cena's having a bad year because he lost to The Rock and he lost to Brock Lesnar and he need, really needs to get his win back on The Rock. Right. You know what I mean? And it's mm-hmm. kind of like, all right, well, do we need to do this for a whole fucking year? Right. Yeah. So anyway, I digress, right? Like that's really why I'm I'm still got that doubt in my mind because I'm just like, wait, you know, really yeah. anything can happen. And speaking of anything can happen, yeah. the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros in a steel cage, and you have not seen any Lucha Bros action no. yet, only based on what I've told well, you. I I mean, I pop for Luchadors in general. I also really like seeing Kata, right? Yeah, so, Sin Cara. Yeah, uh, the He's cool. I, the the idea of Young Bucks who. Like I said, narrative stakes was a little weird for me, but like I really enjoyed the wrestling of that match. They seem to do the kind of things I like, like just kind of crazy shit all the time. Yep. Right. And then you say, OK, them plus the luchadors, which you've assured me are pretty cool. Yeah. Right. And then you say cage match. It's like, oh, OK, this yeah. sounds really cool, especially because like the type of cage matches I've seen, the only cage matches I've really seen, like seen the actual match is like stuff of undertaker versus uh uh, mankind or anything involving triple h where i I, my words fail me it's not that they're not athletic acrobatic or whatever right like they're not making like a whole lot of use of they're not high flyers yeah exactly so i'm interested to see what these two people these two teams can do with the cage itself right I am simultaneously interested and fucking terrified. Yeah, oh, me too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, 
people who have been following along also know so far, I don't like watching the wrestlers hurt each other in themselves. So uh, <laughs> I, I am either going to love this match or really, really hate it. So, yeah, um, you know, not much to this one outside of it's going to be a, a banger. I think right. um, their their previous matches between the two of them that have been not in cages have assured me as much. So. The, the one, though, that I think I am the most interested to see your reaction to is kind of a wild card on the card here tonight. Wild card match between John Moxley, former WWE champion, used to go by Dean Ambrose in mm-hmm. WWE, if you remember yeah. The Shield. Yeah, I remember that name. So John Moxley, former AEW champion, he is who Kenny beat for the title. Okay. So he's a boss yeah he's he's the he is the stone cold of AEW, and that will become no more clearer than when you see him um he's awesome like Mm -hmm. just a he's just a brawler right Mm -hmm. like he's just gonna whoop your fucking ass just like stone cold does um he's going up against a new japan pro wrestling legend coming over from japan satoshi kojima and Mm. he is like considered one of like sort of the I don't want to say godfathers of New Japan, but he's a very, very respected legend. Okay. And so I think he's going to come over with a lot of that Japanese flair, that Japanese style that I'm just going to get in here and stiff the shit out of you. Yeah, worlds collide. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, that's the type of people you want to see in that kind of match, too. Like you want to see Stone Cold Steve Austin types in like a kind of a barroom brawl, right? Yep. The type of people that are working stiff, like... This part of the reason the Okada uh, Kenny match had such weight was like he was literally haymakering Kenny. Like, yeah. like he was literally doing that to him, right. which at the same time was awesome and like deeply concerning. But yeah. that's that's the kind of stuff that if, if you're going to go that hard, you want to see that. Right? Yeah, yeah, so. exactly. So I'm really looking forward to to, to those matches. I mean, I, I, the rest of the card is great. I mean, there's not a there's not a, a bad match on this one, in my opinion um the big show is wrestling oh wow except he's not dude and they even got um basically i'm 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 convinced they got the same guy to do his current music because he goes by his real name paul white Uh which sean ross sap of fightful.com he's a wrestling journalist he has been leading this campaign on social media that i am a card carrying member of which is to start getting people to call the big show tall paul from now on why because his name's paul white and he's seven oh, foot tall, tall paul. and he's okay. the taller paul yeah. so i will probably refer to him as tall paul more than once tonight okay but he's fighting um and this music that they got for him it doesn't still start out with a whale right yeah. it literally starts out with Hey, instead <laughs> and it's just like all right you know yeah. i, I get yeah. what you're going for here right you're well, going it'd for be big like if sean michaels came out and they were like uh not de- like what's a synonym for degeneration like corruption it's like oh okay <laughs> yeah, yeah dude. sure you know that's one of that's one of my favorite wrestling memes that we didn't even talk about is that whenever somebody from wwe would either get fired or released or quit in some way right and they would sign with uh tna uh, impact they would always end up in the impact zone and mike Tanay, one of their announcers would always say well gee taz what's so on and so forth doing in the impact zone and it was a meme for a couple years because they would just do like 
uh, sort of like discount renditions of their names and their gimmicks. Like when Gold Dust showed up, <laughs> yeah. instead of gold and black, he was in white and black face paint. And they were like, what's Black Rain doing here? Uh, okay. What's Christian Cage doing in the impact zone, yeah. right? So we always had a joke that if Rey Mysterio ended up there, he would definitely be Roy Mysterious, right? Yeah. So... So, yeah, um, I'm really excited for this card, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait for you to sit down and just take it all in. Yeah, I am excited. I, I'm also excited to just see, like, any little incidental stuff that's not, like, uh, two big guys going at it. Like, I still haven't seen a true, uh, like, I don't know if I don't know if you call American wrestling Josie wrestling or if it's, like, women's wrestling. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But, like, the only female wrestling I've ever seen is is like powder puff football level like yeah exploitation shit yeah. right so mm-hmm. I, i'm excited to see something like that or all of it really yeah so. man actually um in more on this when we get in there but um you know in the epilogue i do want to touch on women's wrestling a little bit um the match that's on the card tonight is Britt baker dmd dr Britt baker dmd legit mm-hmm. dentist has a practice in florida wow okay also a wrestler current women's champion yeah um she's going up against chris statlander who is awesome as well but um you remember my discord photo for a while of that woman with the the brown hair yeah, who was yeah. just covered in a crimson mask yeah brit baker oh, okay uh she had a light it's called a light it was called a lights out match it was just a, a fancy name for women's death match against oh, okay. um uh, a wrestler by the name of Thunder Rosa, who's awesome. Okay. She's kind of like a woman luchador. Yeah. Um. I don't. Even, there's probably a, a right term for that that I'm not even using, but um, Lucha, she's probably luchadora. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So she's awesome. Right. Yeah. And they just they had a, a crazy ass match. Yeah. So like, we'll talk. We'll touch on some okay. women's wrestling too. But I'm just gonna assume here that you're definitely looking most forward to Bucks and Lucha Bros. Right. Yes. yes. Right. right. Yeah. Well, we'll see how you feel. After Na- narratively, the card. narratively, CM Punk wrestling box versus uh, the Luchadors, the Lucha uh, Bros. All right. Well, don't forget, you can't watch this if you're not watching it on pay-per-view. So yeah. you'll just have to take our fucking word for it whenever we come back. Yes. But we will be back. We will be. See ya. transported ourselves back to our individual mom's basements yes uh in fact it's not my mom's basement i'm in my mom's attic oh i'm a little bit differently she doesn't it's like that she doesn't know i'm here though i'm I'm stealing (laughs) i'm stealing her electricity and her cable so it's like that new james one movie malignant yes yeah Mm mm-hmm did you see that yet? No, I've I've heard anything from it was the most boring shit they'd ever seen <laughs> to it was incredible. So I I do want to see it though. I like I like his horror movies. Okay, is it bad? Yes. Is it good because of that? Also, yes. <laughs> okay, I can live with that. Yes, you'll love it. <laughs> 
Okay. But we are we are back in the basements. We are not in front of each other anymore, which is why I'm not quite echoing as bad. And we are here to finally recap what Scott thought about AEW All Out 2021. And before we get into that, I just got to say, as a lifelong wrestling fan, just about, I've never, so we talked about Hogan and everything and the outsiders and all that stuff, right? Right. And you, you called it a paradigm shift whenever we talked about it. You said, even though, something to the effect of, even though I, I don't have the historical context and I can't really put myself in the shoes of having lived it, you can just tell that this was a paradigm shift in the industry. And it was. And I got to be honest, I don't mean to blow too much smoke up Tony Khan's ass, but All Out 2021 felt like a paradigm shift in the industry. So I cannot tell you how excited I am to sit here and dissect this a little bit with you. I don't think we need to go over every match. No. But what I want to get started with here, dude, is just the experience. I want you to tell me about how you felt the experience of watching an entire card from start to finish was with little to no context about what was going on. I overall really enjoyed myself. I thought it was really good. I think the only things that really missed for me was like, in a way I was envious, right? Cause it's easy to tell from the reaction of the crowd on screen and from the people in the room with us, uh, how big some of these announcements were right and we'll talk yeah. about them as we get to them that yes. was the one thing where i was just like i was like the the gif of uh john travolta in uh uh pulp fiction pulp fiction like huh <laughs> yeah. huh like do i clap yeah. <laughs> so right <laughs> uh i was a little envious of that stuff but overall i mean like I was picking up on some of the lingo too, where like everybody's like, Oh, I need a popcorn fight. Like basically like looking for the different beats. And it was a show that like never really gave it a rest. Right. Like you saw, you saw a fucking uh, slobber knocker of a card. Right. Like even, even fights that should have been like, okay, everybody get up and walk away. They weren't. Dude, I mean, let's not talk about let's not talk about this match too much. So we'll just talk about it right here. I even remember saying to you, no offense to any of these any of these performers or any of these people. It's just the nature of a battle royale Mm -hmm. is so that you can get up and take a piss and go get some popcorn. Right. You need a popcorn match. And I remember the women's battle royale coming up and I just remember being like, all right, popcorn match time. And then I didn't move. Yeah. Like, because uh, it's, I think that more than anything, I mean, I, again, I lack all the historical context. I'm not a wrestling fan. And a lot of these people, I don't know who the fuck they are, but this was very clearly not booked is not the word. This was very clearly written. I'll call it a show that was written as yeah. a giant statement, right? Oh yeah. It was a line in the sand because in this particular fight, which I think is it's like archetypical for everything else that happened. You're watching this battle Royale and it was good, right? It was like, yeah. a, it was 40 women. I don't know. Right. 
and I was getting some play by play from you on like who's cool and what they're doing. And that in and of itself had its own interesting storylines with a couple of female wrestlers that were like really putting in some effort. And then the music kicks in and Ruby Soho, who's yes. like a major is that NXT. How does that work with her? Yeah, so she was in WWE for quite a while, okay. but she, yeah, yeah. So she was, she was a WWE main roster talent. So she comes out and wins the battle royale, and that's that's kind of how the entire show went. Even when you thought there was nothing going on, music kicks in or something, right? Like there's always an it, it's it's literally improv theater. It's yes and yeah, it's just a, a show <laughs> that was constant yes and right yeah so. right. Yeah. yeah, it's um, that's the one thing. So like I. I am both just ecstatic that we got to watch this card together and also at the same time a little bummed out because this was the best fucking pay-per-view I've seen in 15 years. Yeah, gotta be. Oh, it's gotta be. I'm talking. I struggle to even think of a pay-per-view card that I enjoyed top to bottom as much as this other than other all elite wrestling shows. Like I have, it's, it's, uh, all right, let's date ourselves. It's September 14th here. So it's been like a week and a half since all out. Mm -hmm. I've watched that show four times in full already just because like I enjoyed it so much and I wanted to watch the matches right. back. I wanted to go relive a lot of those moments I I don't want to tell you that AEW shows after this are going to be shit, but you saw the fucking zenith. Yeah. So so let's let's crack into it here. I I here's what I want to get started with, and I think this is a really good one to call out here. But they kind of they they started the mat they started the the card off. The first honest to goodness match was Eddie Kingston against Miro. Yeah. And I want to talk about this one because I always thought I was like, Scott would love Eddie Kingston. I mm -hmm. was just like thinking to myself about like the type of wrestler that he is, his gimmick, right? Like I, I, I mean, I even told you at one point that I was going to base my shill around Eddie Kingston. And then I realized that he's such a fucking vet. He's a grizzled young vet. He's such a, a vet that he just constantly puts people over mm -hmm. and it would be hard to compel you with somebody who rarely wins. Oh, okay. <laughs> at least, at least in the, at least in the AEW space. Yeah. Right. But in terms of his personality, dude, for me, he's fucking Miguel, the wrestler, right? Yeah. From, from, from tech. Right. Think, he's I like, I think he even said that when we were he, watching the show. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, so, so tell me what you thought about this match. So I, I remember the, of all the like major matches, I remember the least about this one. Uh, so Miro, I mean, Miro is a more eye-catching, if you want to call it that, right? He, like, he's a more immediately bizarre-looking wrestler because he looks like he's... Uh, Miro looks like the coked-out bodyguard of a James Bond villain. Uh, <laughs> yeah. he, he looks like he hurts puppies for a living, right? And you yeah. were describing a little bit about his gimmick. And uh, I mean, that seems like something that is tailor-made for me. Like just this over-the-top, like I am God's warrior. I, I like the, this type of like just, it, it's um, it's doing the wraparound from stupid back into cool, right? Yeah. So he's this more like, 
he's just more obviously again i'll just say eye catching i don't know what you would call it right like he has yeah, the sure. look right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. he looks like a murderer <laughs> yeah and then he has yeah. eddie kingston right and eddie kingston looks like the guy he looks like a guy that made it from backyard wrestling basically yeah. right eddie kingston <laughs> yeah. looks like a juggalo that had to, had his makeup taken off in a way right <laughs> So like I'm I'm looking at these two squaring off against each other and I'm like, what the hell is this? Right. Because yeah, right. we haven't even really seen that in up to this point in our shill of like really only the Nakamura fight really mm-hmm. had like different body types. So I was like, this is like weird. And yeah. it was it was interesting. It was a slobber knocker. Right. I th- I think it was actually one of the despite. I remember feeling that it ended really abruptly, but I think it was one of the better wrestled fights on the card because there was uh, a lot of out of ring stuff. I remember there was a lot of like mat work. There was a lot of like slams, right? And like yeah. a lot of blows. It wasn't really a drawn out fight, but yeah, I mean, it. I, th- I thought the most interesting thing was just that um, like Kingston had that kind of, energy going of never give up never surrender right yeah yeah like a people's champion yeah you know what i mean uh-huh. and that's and what's what i love about eddie i love a lot of things about eddie kingston but in his aew career like this is definitely the highest profile he's ever been in north america mm-hmm. um this is he's it, it in a lot of ways it feels like a lot of people are finally see getting to see eddie kingston if that makes sense mm-hmm. right he's been around for a long fucking time and he's cut his teeth on some serious some serious pro wrestling circuits right and i it's just like it's so fun to see you know this guy who came to aew for just a one-off spot right code it was like right when the pandemic started cody was the tnt champion the, the current belt that miro holds and the one that they were fighting over Cody was the TNT champion and he was doing this uh, this gimmick where he was doing open challenges every week on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. And one week it was Eddie Kingston and people were like, holy shit, Eddie Kingston. And then he has this great fucking match on Dynamite with Cody and the reception and the response online on social media and everything was so positive about Kingston that they signed him to a deal right away. And he's been a huge main player ever since he's really it's really cool to get to see him do this kind of shit man yeah i I mean i was definitely impressed with his performance i mean like again i don't want to discriminate because i don't look like miro either i look like i barely look like eddie kingston right yeah so yeah i'm not saying that it's just it's it was it was impressive the dedication he had to what he was doing too and i don't know the storyline but i know that like typically my impression would be like ending with like a heel like cheating or playing dirty is usually a way to build heat for an eventual rematch or something like that. Right. Like the, you didn't mm-hmm. really win options. That's exactly kind right. Of. Yep. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I I'm interested to see where that goes too, because uh, spoiler alert, I know Miro had some thoughts about people's reaction to the fight too, which we'll talk <laughs> about later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it's a, th- this one was really cool because I always like to watch pay-per-views Um in like in look for specific things right like for this one for me like i always like to see what match jerks the curtain right Mm -hmm. like i i think opening matches really set the fucking tone for the show 
And, you know, it's always cool to see such a great match go on first. And I remember even having the feeling like, oh, sick. This one's on first. Dope. Yeah. Right. So, I, yeah, I mean, I, all in all, I'm just really glad you like Eddie Kingston because it's it's hard to hate a guy who goes up against Miro, who calls himself God's favorite champion, who talks about how after he wins, he goes back to his hotel room and has sex with his hot wife and then um, calls himself the Redeemer. Right. Mm-hmm. And then Eddie Kingston comes down with a shirt that says redeemed these nuts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so love that. I, I love Eddie Kingston. I love Miro, too. He's great, but. Solid, solid first match. Yeah. So another interesting storyline from this pay-per-view, we're going to skip around a little bit here, was the return of one CM Punk. Mm -hmm. So CM Punk is fabled on this show for being one of Scott's favorite wrestling matches from the the wrestling arc. Mm -hmm. And you pretty much got to see him wrestled just as good of a match today as he did all 10 years ago right right um i i have a hard time leveraging any criticism on cm punk after being out of the ring for seven years and i don't mean to say that as in like well he put in a performance of a guy that's not been wrestling for seven years him and darby darby allen put on a fucking performance they went the distance so to speak i thought punk had a great match And I thought Darby Allen was the perfect opponent because I thought it gave them some really interesting stuff that they could do inside the ring between Darby Allen's size and his style of wrestling and his moveset and just Punk's general swagger and attitude with the Chicago crowd behind him. This is a unique circumstance because this is far off of your face versus heel kind of deal. This is simply Darby Allen, who is mega over and with the fans and super popular fighting CM Punk, who is literally God in Chicago. When it comes to pro wrestling. So talk, talk to me about this a little bit. Chat me up about seeing CM Punk in his most famous match against John Cena in 2011. And then seeing CM Punk's return after being gone for seven years here in AEW. I have a dissenting opinion on this one, honestly. Oh, okay. uh, So I thought that CM Punk wrestled the match very well. It's one of my most vivid memories of the show overall is him hitting the go to sleep. So uh, at a pivotal point in the match, uh, his signature move is the go to sleep, which he hits Darby Allen with and Darby flies out of the ring and CM Punk has this look of utter despair on his face as he's like literally hanging out of the ropes. Like, Oh my God, I can't believe he fell out of the ring. Right. That was my shot. So I thought he was very well wrestled. And I think this is one of those things where, because I lacked the context and the affinity for Darby Allen, this didn't hit me as well. I did not buy Darby Allen as a match for CM Punk. I, I said it immediately when the match started, like, holy shit, this dude is small, right? Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I didn't, at least for me, I didn't believe that, because he was getting blows on CM Punk, don't get me wrong, yeah. that he was putting up a believable fight, right? Sure. Like, I, th- I remember a lot of what Darby was doing was like strikes and that he like kind of put him on the floor a little bit. And I didn't have that feeling I had watching. Uh, I'm going to make a callback here because I, I remember uh, the fight of Mysterio versus Guerrero of the yeah. a much smaller guy believably putting the screws to him. Right. Like, yeah. OK, 
you're going to try and pin me. Well, I'm going to wiggle my body a bit and reverse you. Right. And yeah. I feel like Darby was trying to like throw CM Punk around. So again, I, I didn't think it was a bad match. Sure. I thought that CM Punk wrestled it very well. I think I just don't have the context on Darby to be able to say like, Oh yeah, he's really putting up a fight. I I almost felt like it was a puff piece for CM Punk at the end because then also they lean into this thing of Sting coming out and picking baby Sting off the ground, right? <laughs> and everybody shake hands and everybody's happy. Like it it was just, it was kind of uh the the tone of it was a little weird for me, but yeah, I'm, you know, this match was more about the return of CM Punk than it was about anything else. Right. right. And mm -hmm. I think that you saw a match that was specifically designed not to tell a story, but to let Punk get his shit in. Right. Yeah. And pop mm -hmm. the crowd. Cause ultimately that's what you want for this. Right. Um, I, you know, I think in my opinion, like, you know, Darby Allen, and I think what exactly what you said, right. Is that lacking the context and not being able to see Darby Allen come up to the point where he, is a legitimate threat against CM Punk, right? Um, you would have to be familiar with his canon, so to speak, right? Right? Like mm -hmm. he he didn't get a, a a lot of opportunity to show this off against Punk because it wasn't this style of match. But he is like his his finisher is called the coffin drop, right? Yeah, and he is very famous for doing this to people that are already in a coffin. So okay. to give you an idea yeah. of typically what you can expect with Darby Allen, he for me, he's like straight out of ECW, right? Mm -hmm. He's like in, in those that ECW sort of style that like hardcore extreme take risks sort of deal. And I think I even mentioned to you that he's a cross between Sting and Jeff Hardy. Right. Yeah. And that's really how I feel about him. So to your point, puff piece, I think, is the is, is the right is the right terminology because yeah. You know, I even said before the match, there's no fucking way Darby Allen wins this match. Oh, yeah, you are yeah. not you're not going to have CM Punk lose his first match back in his home fucking town. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's his hometown that's famous for carrying signs to the arena that say, if Punk loses, we riot. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know? like, I just I, I feel like I would have I would have gotten over on the match and on Darby in general. If like you said, if he's like a hardcore guy. If he puts punk through a table or something, right? Something that's yeah. like, it doesn't matter our size difference. I can take more pain than you. That type of thing. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think that, you know, overall, what I loved about this match, though, is that it's so cathartic for me to just be able to see CM Punk and oh, be yeah. like, I mean, CM Punk is a big deal and oh, it's yeah. crazy to see just like how big of a deal this still is you know I what I got from this match most of all is that I'm really excited to see more of CM Punk and what he does because I think that he not only has he not lost his edge in the physical arena right which is like impressive enough on its own but he he moved that crowd like electricity right yeah right like he had them eating out of the palm of his hand and Definitely. granted part of that is because it's his hometown but like if you look at how they reacted to oh actually i'm getting ahead of myself never mind but uh like other people that are making like call outs in her hometown they still don't get the electricity that punk gets 
right? Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt. I mean, like I remember calling out when we watched Money in the Bank 2011 against Cena. I remember being like, just pay attention to the crowd before Punk comes out and when he gets to the ring and then when just pay attention to the entrances. Right. Yeah. And it's it's so crazy to me to like just see that I used to say I I would before all out this year, I would have told you that the best pop I've ever seen and my favorite pop of all time was Punk in Chicago 2011 for Money in the Bank, because that match the promo slide happens and then the audience can sense that the entrances are coming because they know it's up next and it's the main event time. Right. And there is just this swell throughout the arena of the CM Punk chant, CM Punk, CM Punk. And it is so crazy just how it's just all throughout the arena. And then Punk's music hits and the fucking roof blows off. And it's crazy to me that like, they're still that hot for him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was an equal reaction whenever he came back and came out for all right. out, right? It was just this feeling of, you know, CM Punk in Chicago. It's really, it's really like a, a, a feeling and a beast of its own in a way. Spectacle of its own, right? Yeah. So in the theme of jumping around a little bit. Yeah. I want to talk about Omega and Christian. And I want to talk about what happened afterwards. Yes. Because half spoiler alert, we are saving the best for last here. So we're going to talk about Omega and Christian real quick. So I. I think that. They were really asking a lot of both these wrestlers and the crowd with putting this match on last, even though it is always the right thing to do to put your heavyweight championship bout as the main event. Right. You as a wrestling company, I really do not like when WWE doesn't do that. Right. They don't put the belt on a plat on a, on a pedestal, so to speak. Right. In my opinion, as a wrestling company, you should always have your world heavyweight champion, the champion of your of your company, your federation. They should be the biggest deal, even though CM Punk is coming back and the show is in Chicago. The main event is for the title, the AEW World Heavyweight Championship. So I respect the fuck out of AEW that they do this more often than not. But I really think this show in particular after everything that we saw leading up to it, you are asking a lot out of Omega and Christian to put on a match that's going to keep the crowd invested and keep them hooked after being popped nonstop for literally four hours. Yeah. Well, I really liked this match. So what did you think about it? Yeah, I I think I agree because we had been talking about it beforehand too um, because we were talking about the, meta history of the match right this yeah. this mm-hmm. was originally probably going to be omega versus page not cage for the yeah. heavyweight title and this was going to be the culmination of a storyline so how do we get to where we are in this believable match that cage somehow has a chance of taking this from kenny and we were talking about different ideas and like we were spitballing on like potential storylines but ultimately you get to this point of the pay-per-view where like, I agree. I think you need to have, I mean, be a little bit vulgar here, right? Like the money shot is where it is for a reason, (laughs) right? Yeah. Like, so you have to have the thing that puts the butt in the seat, the butts in the seats 
at the end. Otherwise, yep. people just get up and walk out. If you reveal who the killer is in hour one of your two hour movie, what's the point of the other hour? Right. Right. So mm-hmm. I understand why it's there. And I get I I'm totally in agreement with you because at this point of the pay-per-view, you are worn out on first of all, top quality wrestling. Second of all, like announcements and stuff like that. But like first, first of all, how do you go after our what I'm sure is going to be our top match of the pay-per-view, right? Mm, yeah. So how do you follow that? <laughs> how do you follow that? So I think that the match overall was really good. Uh, I think that. I mean, it's it's hard to compare because real the only matches I've really seen of Kenny are like him versus Okada and him mm-hmm. versus the Young Bucks. So I, I expect by design way more out of Kenny than I can probably expect on a given occasion. Right. Yeah, sure. But it was it was really well wrestled. I mean, they uh, they went back and forth. They they did the strong style. Right. Yeah. They were mm-hmm. they were stiffer than some of the other fights, even in the pay-per-view. So um, I think that Christian really put on a show of like getting in there and showing that he was like doing it for real. Uh, I remember that he like did a lot of top rope stuff. Right? Yeah, there was a, there yeah. was one spot. It was this match, right, where he went onto the top rope and slammed Kenny onto the like the concrete floor. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like so yeah. they were they were putting it on the line for what is ultimately right if if we're correcting our assumptions a holdover for the real culmination of the storyline with Adam Page, right? Yeah, right. So they were really putting it on the line. Um I think that I'm noticing something about Kenny and I wonder if this is uh just from what I've seen of this current the matches that I've seen or if it's the way he wrestles where he wrestles into his special moves right like he uh, every Kenny match I've seen has been a story about how he gets his opponents into a one-winged angel which is inescapable right Mm -hmm. Right. so the match followed a pretty predictable storyline but I was not expecting the way it ended this was really interesting to me because again I I I mean, I know Kenny was a heel at some point in his career, but I've only seen like, and I don't even want to call him a heel, just like warrior Kenny, right? Yeah, right, right, right. So Kenny is, uh, he's in trouble and I can't remember exactly what happened, but uh, what's this guy's name? What's his crony? Don Callis. Don Callis. Yeah. Uh, Don Callis runs into the ring and interferes, which gives Kenny the kind of like heel heel opportunity to take advantage and take Christian out. Right. And right. I thought that that was a I mean, you have to tell me, is that something that he's done before on AEW? But like winning the championship like that. Right. It's it's this is. I don't want to call it uncharted territory for Kenny because I have not seen his entire career. Right. But to your point about like, I mean, he was legitimately just named as the number one pro wrestler in the PWI 500. Right. Like he's, he's the best wrestler in the world. You expect him to win by wrestling. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it's, 
it, it it is culminating right and like there's there's a lot of really interesting wrestling storyline jiggery pokery that can go on to build to this point but i'm really glad that you caught that because it is this weird thing of you know you can always get heat by cheating but for me it's another dimension when it's somebody like kenny omega you know what i mean yeah like we had been spitballing before the show and i i was proud of our storyline that we were concocting yeah of like <laughs> what if cage is gonna win christian cage is gonna win and the storyline is now gonna be that page beats christian and look at me kenny i've got your titles right and that's how it's gonna go and it, it ends it's it's like you said just it ends with this guy who's supposedly the best in the world the best it's ever been he shouldn't have to cheat and here you got his crony with the the uh, the get up right. he comes in and causes a scene. And that's yeah. how Kenny Omega retains his title. Right. Yeah. It's it's kind of reminiscent in a way of the Hollywood Hogan turn. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and what's it's, interesting to me about this is that, you know. The long term storyline here and the long term storytelling here that I think is what they're going for personally mm-hmm. is that Kenny is starting to figure out that he can't get it done without that kind of stuff. Something's happening there. His mind isn't on the, his eye isn't on the ball. His mind's not in the right place. Something's going on. Right. And it's interesting to see stuff like this happen because I think that just that that sort of goes into it right again you don't expect kenny fucking omega yeah to win by a cheap shot with with the belt you know what i mean yeah so well some shit would happen after this oh yeah yeah yeah. uh-huh right it, it directly and leads we would, into it yes and we would get the debuts of both adam cole baby and brian danielson formerly known as daniel bryan in wwe and I suspect that this is some of some of what you were talking about, about like sort of lacking some of the because I was losing my fucking mind. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Adam Cole comes out and like, I, I mean, I don't know if I was supposed to believe this or not, because he comes out and he does his bit. Right. Adam Cole, baby. And yeah, he's like eyeing down the elite who are they're attacking Christian after the, f- the the match and a bunch of I don't know if these people are jobbers or what that came in to no, help. Right. They're not. So but they're they, not. But there are other wrestlers. Yeah. Yeah. So the other wrestlers came in to help Christian. So Adam Cole comes out and you think, right, that like Kenny and all these guys are mean mugging for the camera. Oh, no, it's Adam Cole. Right. And for me, it was just like so over over the top, even for wrestling that I'm like, there's no way. Like this guy's just going to come out and like stomp Christian in the nuts or something. Right. And he does. He's like, Oh, I've been elite since the beginning. Right. Right. But the next one, Chris, so I don't know who the fuck Adam Cole is. I'm going to be real with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, But I know who the next guy is. (laughs) So when Brian Danielson comes out, I'm like, Oh shit. Even I understand the impact of that, man. The yes movement. Right. Like this is, Mm -hmm that's what i mean when i said earlier that it was like a line in the sand show it's like hey like knock knock if you weren't already worried you should be right yeah exactly right yeah it's it was such a good moment and like truly the best way to do that because what was so interesting to give you a little bit of background from like uh 
off camera perspective, right? Me who follows all of this shit that is happening, like all the scoops and everything. So people pretty much knew that Brian Danielson was going to debut it all out. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there had been a lot of reports that had come out from a couple of reliable sources that were like, you know, Danielson is Danielson signed with AEW and he's going to, they're going to, he's going to debut it all out. Right. So it was just sort of a matter of the waiting game for me on that one. But there was a lot of question marks around Adam Cole's contract. He just wrestled in a in a major NXT show like three weeks before this. So he was with WWE and there was a lot of reports about his contract was up and they were looking to make an extension and they were looking to re-sign him and everything because they had been releasing a ton of talent this year, right? So people were like, oh, is he going to re-sign? Is he not going to re-sign? So for the lights to go out and I'm like, oh, here comes Danielson and then fucking adam cole comes out i was like what yeah <laughs> you know so so yeah but you will you will come to know and love adam cole i love adam cole um and but it's interesting to to hear i mean like i love i love hearing you say what you said about danielson and just like i know who danielson is right the, the yeah. yes movement it's like I always forget how mainstream the yes movement was and how many fucking channels it got through, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's one of those things that like, so most of my experience with wrestling post a certain point is like basically like YouTube and similar media things of just people talking about wrestling. And right. the yes movement is one of those things. It's, it's such a digestible, easy to sell story for anybody right like you don't have to have any wrestling knowledge and you can tell the story of daniel bryan right yep especially his part of the reason i know it so well is because he touches on triple h and i know a lot about triple h because i find him uh, i'm gonna say he's not my favorite wrestler absolutely yeah not. but right i think he is the most fascinating he and vince mcmahon are the most fascinating people in wrestling for me personally yeah yeah i i, so, I, I would not disagree with that so <laughs> I I know a lot about that, but yeah, when he comes out, it's like, oh, okay, like it, it's very obvious, especially given everything that came before it, that not that they haven't been painting a target on the back of WWE through everything they've been doing, but this is like the, this is not the shot across the bow. This is like, okay, that was a direct hit. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And there's a lot of stuff that, that I've heard over the last few days since it's happened about, the decision making that he's gone through, right, and why he ended up signing with AEW, and he is another man that's very, very adamant about his relationship with Vince McMahon being very positive. And for me, that makes it almost worse for, yeah. for WWE, where it's like we had this great relationship and we still couldn't get it done because we couldn't give you what you wanted to do, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, line in the sand very very uh apropos analogy there um just a, just an overall just a, a way to close out the show that's fucking unforgettable yeah speaking of unforgettable mm -hmm. let's talk about the match of the year for 2021 let's talk about the most insane the the best tag team match i think i've fucking ever seen i said this about revolution 2020 with bucks against hangman and kenny and that is just your bog standard tag team match that's just of abject quality right yeah 
This is a fucking tag match between the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros in a steel cage where there are no disqualifications. Before we get to what you thought about this, I just want to say that Mac Jackson is a fucking psycho. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I, I want to know what you thought about this match as, as a young bucks, as a new young bucks fan. Cause I know yes. you like the bucks. Yeah. Tell me about this match. Okay. So first of all, this is the best thing I've seen that you've shown me. Uh, this is for me. I don't, I don't think you can take the Kenny Okada match just because it's like a different thing. Yeah. But, this this is one of the most entertaining things that I've ever seen related to wrestling. Uh, I th- so I am definitely a Young Bucks fan. I don't know if where you think I am after that, but I am a fucking Lucha Brothers fan, dude. They're so sick. <laughs> I I legit loved their performance. Oh my god so what what can what is there not to talk about in this they go on the cage into the cage between the cage and the ropes (laughs) off the top ropes into the mat into each other off of each other into the cage off of each other uh mexican standoff with each other in pin holds uh there's a shoe with thumbtacks on it uh there's this match was the high flying Hollywood spectacle version of the um how do I want to describe this the like not the pain match but like th- this is instead of just I'm going to inflict brutal simple pain on you this is I'm going to make this pain as over the top as possible right <laughs> yeah like yeah I'm going to climb up the fucking cell and then jump from the top of it onto you. Right. Yes. Right. This is, I'm going to take a shoe covered in (laughs) thumbtacks and kick you with it multiple times. Right. 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 It's, this is, I'm going to put, uh, so there was one, I don't know what you call this move, but there was one time where I think this is how uh, Cerro Miedo got his head split open the first time. Yeah, he, he got kicked in the face in his head was already up against the cell and he got kicked in the face into the cell. Right. It's like, <laughs> yeah, just they they knew exactly what people wanted to see without making it like disgusting. Right? Yeah. It, yeah, it was just it was just a blow for blow, pound for pound. Lucia Fiesta, right? Yeah, man. I mean, for me, like this match said a lot of things to me. And first, I just want to I want to talk about the Bucks for a second, because, Mm -hmm. you know, so much of the draw of all elite wrestling for me has been the Young Bucks. Um, The Young Bucks were really like my first exposure to a meme wrestling entity. Right. Yeah. In the early days of wrestling Reddit. The Young Bucks were talked about as kind of like, you know, you know, like the cool guys that nobody really knew about because mm-hmm. they, you know, it was really hard to catch their matches. And like, unless you were going to Ring of Honor or at the time or, you know, like this was way back in 2010, 2011. So it was kind of like 
they were just starting to become indie darlings, right? Like people that the internet wrestling community and meme lords like ourselves would talk about and, you know, put over a lot, right? Like young bucks are cool. You know what I mean? They, yeah. they do cool shit. They got cool gimmicks. Right. And then like, once I started really getting familiar with them, it just became this feverish desire to see more of their wrestling. So similar to Omega, I was just like, where can I go see the Bucks? How can I watch the Bucks? Right. And it's always been this weird thing for me because they never showed up in WWE. And I was like, for sure, someday. When WWE started signing all this independent talent like Kevin Steen, who's now Kevin Owens, and Brian Danielson, right? Like, and started pushing him, Samoa Joe, all these guys that were always held in the same breath as the Young Bucks, right? The Young Bucks used to be in a stable with Adam Cole and Kevin Owens called Mount Rushmore. Right. They were the Mount Rushmore of wrestling, right? Every, the Bucks have been like kind of shit talked a lot by a lot of, by a lot of heads because they did shit that was like kind of, I don't want to say disrespectful to wrestling, but they did well, shit that was they, like anti-wrestling. Yeah, right? well, like their their wrestling style breaks kayfabe in a way where it's like they it's it's like the killer in Scream saying this isn't a horror movie, right? That's such it's a like, fucking good comparison. Yeah, right. It's like yeah, of course you do know what wrestling is, but none of us are doing like the people's elbow because we like The Rock. You know what I mean? Like that type of thing. Exactly. Right. And that's why, like, when they started come, like when they got ingrained with Bullet Club and the elite started becoming a thing, right? Like they started doing the two suites, like the NWO and suck it, like DX, right? And they started kind of just like acting like the NWO adjacent, right? In a lot of ways. I mean, they would even get to like they got a cease and desist once from WWE for using the two suite. Really? So instead, Kenny came up with the one suite where they would <laughs> touch <laughs> each other, touch each other's index fingers. Yeah. And then the Bucks put out shirts that said cease and desist and had them doing suck it chops on it. Right. So yeah. to your point, they it's like a like a fourth wall breaking version of wrestling. Right. Yeah. So I, I just I really want to give a lot of a lot of love here to the young Bucks because it's very cathartic to see them put on this type of match that's getting talked about in the way that it is on a major wrestling promotion in North America that is now currently in direct competition with WWE and they're fucking killing it. And they're putting yeah. in match of the year quality matches. Oh, absolutely. Like everybody thought that they would and they're doing it. And I just, I love that about it. And the thing that I love the most about it is that, they know the type of chemistry that they have with the Lucha Bros here. Oh, well, I mean, this and I would say that this was a great pay-per-view for villains, too, because I don't know if we're going to talk about MJF, but I, I'm really impressed with him, too. But they it is very easy to be comically evil, to be unlovably evil. Right. Like this is my my childhood memories of Hollywood Hogan was that he wasn't evil in a cool way. He was just kind of a douche. Right. Yeah. And the young bucks. This is the only time I've really seen them heal. Right. But the young bucks in this match towed the line, in my opinion, perfectly between 
being that people's champion and being the bad guys because they aren't like so what what their villainy was limited to for the most part like trying to take the mask off yeah the the shoe with the thumbtacks but all of that was done directly in service of setting up the lucha bros the thumbtack shoe is so penta cero miedo can stand in front of his brother and say take me instead right yeah like it's (laughs) not just comically evil to draw attention to themselves right right and that is top tier stuff right yeah it was it was a immaculately told story what was your favorite spot of the match uh uh, it's easy to say uh penta not penta phoenix jumping from the top yeah. but i think it i honestly think it was the early stuff i just liked um b- before it kind of went out of con- uh, actually you know what my favorite spot was not in the match but this is corny no. and i'll say after the fact <laughs> okay but uh i i liked early in the match when they were really using the cage stuff and they were outside of the ring, like up against the cage, there was a spot where uh, I can't remember who and who, but one of the young bucks and one of the Lucha bros had each other in a hold and they just looked at each other and uh, pow drive them into the the ground. uh Right. Like that stuff I thought was like, I I was really into that because it was frenetic and high energy. My favorite spot though was, uh Cerro Miedo calling over his daughters oh, to, to yeah, calm dude. them after the fight. Like, no, I'm <laughs> yeah. fine, I'm good, right? But yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, dude. This um this match is an all-timer for me. Um I I'm pretty far removed from the event at this point. My adrenaline on it is, you know, down. And I've seen it a handful of times since then. And it's just you don't get to witness something like this in pro wrestling very often that goes off the way that it does from a, from a complete package perspective, right? Like we're talking about you. There's not much story going into this outside of the Lucha bros, won a tag team eliminator tournament and they got a shot at the bucks. And there were some shenanigans that went on between the teams leading up to it. So it was like, well, we're going to do it in a cage to make sure nothing shitty happens. Right. And so the, to make sure that the match, you know, nobody interferes or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so I have to say that, like, I loved your reaction to when the Lucha bros came out. Yeah. <laughs> that was the spot of the night for me, for you was just like, they come out in these like, uh, uh, South American warrior, like traditional yeah. warrior headdresses, right? Because they're they're from Mexico, so they come out in these in these these warrior headdresses and these like real sick, dope little like varsity jackets, right? Letterman yeah. jackets that look that look real cool, and they're getting wrapped to the ring by this like Spanish speaking rapper, and I'm I don't I don't really know who he is, but he seemed cool, right? And then you had like Alex dressed up in the in the in the suit, you know what I mean, Alex. Right dressed up in the suit just like going nuts like zero man you know yeah i loved watching you watch them because you were just like these guys are fucking great yeah <laughs> like they hadn't even wrestled yet yeah it was good. i i think that it's just such a complete package of like storytelling inside of the ring um you know you mentioned the spot of you know matt getting ready to kick ray phoenix and 
you know, uh, Penta getting in front of him, like, no, don't kick me instead. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, right. This is a lot of the stuff that you you get whenever you, tr- in my opinion, you trust your talent a lot, right? Like there's, I'm not saying this because I'm like a bitter fan. I'm saying this because a lot of wrestlers have said this in interviews. There is a WWE style, right? Mm-hmm. There is a main roster style. There are things that they don't want you doing. They are, there are, you know, everything gets put through an excruciating amount of detail when it comes to the important shit, like Penta kneeling in front of Ray and saying, no, take me instead. Right. It WWE doesn't script their matches down to the move, but they do hold a lot of control over the spots. And this match is a really good example, in my opinion, of what can happen when you just let guys that know each other go. And you just let them have their match, right? Because the Bucks have been putting on matches like this since before AEW. So this is not a, you know, an AEW sort of only style match, right? This isn't like, oh, well, they got to AEW and they finally got some good writers behind them and some good producers and bookers. So now they're having these style of matches. They've been putting on shit like this for years. And this for me is just such a great example of what happens whenever you just let them go, you know? Mm Mm-hmm comparison yeah between this match and the revolution tag match i know that you like this one better but my question is can you see why i love the fucking young bucks (laughs) oh yeah well i mean i it's hard not to come out of this like at least in my opinion i fell for i don't even fell for i went along with the ride of like the hype train for the Lucha Bros. This was the Lucha Bros moment, right? Yeah, absolutely. But so I, even if we don't talk about, about the match, I want to talk about MJF a little bit, which I will bring yeah. up. But mm-hmm. uh, I have a appreciation for well-written villains. And I, I, I'm standing by my statement earlier that like the Young Bucks, it, there's no going over. Like they, they are half of the wrestling of the best match of the year. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. focus on the Lucha bros. It's just cause they won and they had these like emotional spots, but I mean, the match doesn't exist without the young bucks. Right. Right. And I f- saw more, I think it's because I lacked the context in the last one, but I saw more of their, I don't want to call it acting. Like what do you, the kayfabe chops, right? Like, sure. Yeah. Whatever. I saw more of the kayfabe chops in this match where they elegantly without doing it in this clumsy way, set the Lucha bros up for these emotional highs, right? It didn't feel like, Oh, I gave him a wedgie or I said that his mom was methany, right? Like, (laughs) yeah, I did. it, It was just this. I, by virtue of you being the better man in this situation, right? I am the villain. Yeah, it, it wasn't like this crazy over the top thing. So, yeah, I really liked it. Uh, the Young Bucks are great. The Lucha Bros are great. I can't wait till they have a revenge match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, with, uh-huh. with some other bizarre stipulation. Uh, it's going to be great. So, yeah. Well, this was 
the last match that I wanted to talk about. And so it delights me that you are inspired to talk about Maxwell Jacob Friedman, somebody who is better than you and you know it. Yes. So tell me about MJF. Why do you love MJF? Because I fucking love MJF. Well, really quickly. I mean, I hate that motherfucker, but I love him. Yeah, so really quickly, Chris, because I want to talk about a lot. Can you ask me the question real quick? I'm just going to come right out. Did it chill? Yeah, it chilled. Yeah. Uh, Chris, (laughs) are you going to watch the next AEW pay-per-view with me? Well, Chris, there's a program that airs on Wednesdays on a certain channel on television. Yes. What would happen if I were to have said, say, watched that episode post post (laughs) pay-per-view? So that's it. He's in. Yeah. So we I got, watched, we got him. I watched dynamite on Wednesday. Ooh. I didn't watch rampage cause I hate TV and I hate being told when I have to watch something. So yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I do intend to get caught up on that. So I did watch dynamite. I want to talk about MJF for a minute because over the course of two matches, he has become one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. <laughs> So MJF is undeniably a colossal goober, a terrible mean spirit. He's scum of the earth. But he is one of the best villains that AEW could ask for. He's unbelievable. There is a magical line that this man is walking where it is not the type of hatred that is apathetic. This is a rapturous joyful hatred of a human being (laughs) i have not felt emotions the way i have felt about a person on screen since joffrey in game of thrones wow (laughs) joffrey is one of my favorite characters on that show and i tell that to people all the time at least i used to when that show was relevant before it crashed Mm -hmm. and burned but I think I even told you this, that like my favorite character was Littlefinger and my second favorite character was Joffrey. Joffrey. And people ask me, like, what do you mean? And I always say, were you ever more invested in that show than wanting to watch that little shit get his comeuppance? Right. Right. Like. You need compelling villains. Yeah. So at All Out. MJF comes out and you've explained a little bit of about him uh, to me at this point. Uh-huh. And he does Jericho's entrance <laughs> at the match where the, the stipulation is if MJF wins Jericho retires. Yep. He spits in his face, right? <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, he's uh, coming out and uh, he's, I mean, he's convinced he's going to win, right? Sure. Yeah, of course. So Jericho comes out and he's the crowd favorite because obviously the live guitar version of Judas on my mind, right? Or Judas in my mind. And the crowd is singing along. Everybody's everybody's got Jericho's back here, right? Yep. And you get this ending after a pretty well wrestled match. You get this ending where. MJF is gets the the count out. He he wins, but only because the referee didn't notice Jericho's leg 
was on the rope, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Chris, I watched Dynamite, and I am glad I did because I wouldn't have had a whole lot to say about that match other than, yeah, Jericho didn't retire. That's cool. Yeah, right. Until I saw MJF's promo and the <laughs> fucking garbage fire that ensued around it. So MJF, man, oh, I don't I don't want to get too far into it, but God, he is committed to his role and I I commend him. Oh, he yeah. attacked the city of Cincinnati, a legendary WWE figure that died. Legendary WWE figure's mother, his daughter, his son, his grandchildren, his legacy, (laughs) the entire AEW organization, all in one promo. And I was compelled. I am really excited to see the outcome of that match. That's that's really that's really great because MJF, for in my opinion, is on right now a collision course with his valet Wardlow, his bodyguard yes. Wardlow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wardlow being a uh, guy from Cleveland was Pittsburgh's indie champion for uh, a spot. Um, so pretty cool to see him involved in that. Right, he's almost certainly on a collision course with Wardlow, but I cannot tell you how elated I am to hear how much you like MJF because he truly is the best heel in the industry right now. Yeah. I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, from the moment he signed for AEW, he was pissing people off like there. I remember there being a thing where he was at this like meet and greet Mm -hmm. for fans. And when you say that MJF is committed, he is in character 24 seven. And I mean, his overt character 24 seven. So like this kid comes up to get his autograph sign, his picture taken with him. And they're at a table. And the thing is, is like you get your autograph and then you turn around and somebody snaps a picture. Right. So they got his autograph and this dad and this like nine year old kid stand next to MJF's table. And they're they're looking at the camera. But MJF is looking at them instead. And he's got his middle finger inches from the side of this little kid's face yeah just fucking giving this kid the finger and like the video was real hot on reddit and it made the rounds on twitter and stuff and like i remember people being like angry with with mjf right and that's the line that i think that you're really talking about there is like you mentioned that the bucks wrestling sort of exists outside of kayfabe in a lot of ways even yeah. though it 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 simultaneously like is kayfabe, right? MJF for me is that very meta, like I am a heel. You know that I'm a heel. You should expect me to do this shit. Yeah. And people still get fucking mad. <laughs> yes. Well, it, it's, this is why it's, it's, I have to see more to be able to try and break it down. But Joffrey is a great villain. Because he represents everything people hate in real world villains. Joffrey is not an over the top, 
megalomaniacal supervillain. He is a whiny brat that always wants his way and fails upwards, and it is infuriating, right? That's why he's such a good villain, because it's not that he doesn't, like, hold a mass inquisition and put thousands of people to the sword. It's, wah, I want my, <laughs> like, I, I want my hookers I can shoot with a crossbow. Or, wah, I, I'm the king because I said I was. Kill kill Ned Stark because I said it. Don't listen to my mom, right? Like, yeah, right. That kind of shit. MJF touches on that magical line where, he, yes, he does over-the-top things, but he's just an insensitive asshole, right? It's not that he's a villain because he's Hulk Hogan and he showed up and he dropped a leg on the guy. He's just unlikable. Yep. Yeah. He's, uh, he's amazing. And it's why like he's going to, he's going to be featured in some high profile programs forever. I mean, with AEW because, there's nobody like him right now in the industry doing the things that he does. There are heels. You've got the elite right now in AEW that are heels and they're cool because they're heels and they're fun and because they're heels and new boo, boo Kenny, you right. hit him with the belt, right? MJF walks into fucking Brian Pillman's hometown and calls his fucking daughter Methany. Yeah. Or his or his, his, his mom, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. His uh his his mom Methany. And it's just like that is a level that is unparalleled right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's the thing, too, of he has determined what his character is going to be, which is another level of commendability, right? Like Kenny Omega can't do anything that won't allow him to come back and be the people's champion. Yeah. MJF. He's here. Get used to it. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, there's no coming back from that. There's no coming back from <laughs> Methody. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, no. He's um he's one of a kind, that's for yeah. sure. So but, go ahead. Go I'm ahead. I'm glad. I was just yeah. gonna say I'm 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 a happy I'm a happy boy right now. Yeah. I I mean I watched Dynamite. It was I mean, I don't know, you can't expect that. It was not as good as the pay-per-view, but there were no. there were great moments. Like I said, the MJF, the entire debacle of MJF just blew me away. I was like, I cannot yeah. believe what I am seeing right now. Yeah. Um, uh, Ruby Soho, her fight was good. Uh, they're clearly making some uh, some waves there between her and Britt Baker. It was it was entertaining. I see myself watching this more often. It, I still have the problem of they expect me to be in front of my television set at a specific time at a specific day, and that's some whack boomer shit. But yeah, I, that's yeah. why I, I love the, the the digital DVR because I just watch it on Thursday mornings on demand. Yeah, but so it, yeah, I, it was I, great. Yeah. Well, so you're going to watch more pay-per-views with me then? Yes. Yes. All right. Well, she'll successful. We can close this show out. You got anime. I got wrestling. See you later. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, I'm pumped. It's been a couple months of wrestling. Yes. <laughs> we watched a lot. Um, if I had, if you had to give me your favorite match that you saw out of everything, would it be Bucks and Lucha Bros? My favorite entertainment match is Bucks and Lucha Bros. The most impressive match was still Kenny Okada. 
But yeah, I, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Well, if you want to hear the rest of the wrestling shill, you can do so at themanyfolds.com. We are out there on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, TuneIn, wherever you get your pods. You can also come say hi at Twitter and Instagram at The Many Folds. But, Scott, one final question. Yes. What's your finishing move now? Oh, I think I call it the body pillow. <laughs> you were the one to give sweet, sweet Miku-chan that yeah. sweet, sweet hug, yeah? Yes. Mm-hmm. Damn. Now I'm going to have to write that into the script. All right. See you next time. Yes, yeah, see ya. King of the Shield.